Welcome to Something to Think About with the British Bible School. My name is Mark Hill. It's been my privilege over the past few weeks to be teaching from Jeremiah. And the privilege has not been teaching it, but studying and reading the book and learning from it myself. There are so many lessons to learn from it, but I want to try and raise something for us to think about out of the, the opening chapter and out of the demonstration of the unfaithfulness of God's people and the way in which they behaved that would cause probably modern people to say I can't hear what you're saying because your actions are so loud. Now Jeremiah I admit is probably not regarded as one of the most cheerful books or maybe the most cheerful characters in the Bible but if we think only of that then I think we'll miss out quite a bit on what lessons there are there for us to benefit from. There is actually a lot of encouragement that can be received from this book and this particular character and the things he went through and the way he dealt with them. The things that happened to him and the circumstances that he faced aren't too far removed from the attitudes that exist against God's people today and certainly against the truth of his word. In many instances, those who purport to be speaking on behalf of God don't actually say a lot of what God wants them to say. There are many popular preachers around and in Jeremiah's day there were popular prophets around as well. Popular because they told the people what they wanted to hear and this was all wrong of course. The people of Judah were living in a peaceful and prosperous time. They were wicked but things that were going so well for them that they didn't realise that anything was wrong. And isn't that the truth of human nature? You did something bad, but nothing bad happened as a result. So maybe that wasn't so bad after all. And we continue to do things that are wrong. You know, if I uh, eat something unhealthy one day, that won't really matter. But if I do it the next day and the next day and continue to do it, then that unhealthy thing is going to affect my body and my health. But you know, because it didn't happen or matter just that once, very often I think, well, perhaps it's okay then. And this seemed to be the attitude that the people had. We've done wrong. God hasn't taken action against us. So maybe it's not that bad anyway. Maybe he's not that worried anyway. Now, by telling the people that nothing was wrong and they were doing nothing wrong, the false prophets became richer. They're going to get a great tip when they're told uh, when they're telling the people what they want to hear so Jeremiah comes along and says the opposite to them who are the people going to listen to the majority says this and you're saying that surely you're the one who's wrong see although the people went to do these awful things they also went to church at the time of Jeremiah's calling, Josiah was king and he had brought about some great reforms and Jeremiah was there as part of that. And this was a good time for Jeremiah. The king was doing away with all these places of false worship and stopping the people from worshipping false gods, publicly at least, and getting people back to the word of God and the way they should be. So things were going well. He got the people back to understanding and hearing the law. But he died. He got killed in a battle. A battle he shouldn't have really been in, actually. But nevertheless, he was killed in battle. 
and successively his sons came to the throne and they weren't as good as their father. They were as wicked as the people or were the people as wicked as them? You see, if the people can point to those who are at the top of the tree and say, well, they're living that way, they're doing those things, why can't we? Who's going to speak against it? Living as you please, yet performing acts of worship, just in case there's something in it where God is concerned. Trying to keep a foot in both camps. We want to do this because it satisfies our desires, but we'll worship God just in case there might be punishment for doing it. So Jeremiah was to speak the word of God. Over and over again we see the phrase throughout Jeremiah, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah and he was to speak the words of the Lord to the people. Not his own ideas, not uh, some fanciful theory that he's got, but the word of God without pulling any punches. You see, there were so many of these false prophets telling the people what they wanted to hear, he would be telling them the opposite. He would be telling them the truth as things are. Far from peace and prosperity, his message was one of violence and destruction, in direct opposition to what the false prophets were saying. His very unpopular words also would have to be preached in the very places where the people who needed to hear them would gather as they came through the gates or as they went to their temples. Nobody, but nobody, would come to Jeremiah and say, that was a great sermon, brother. That's the kind of preaching we need to hear again these days. They weren't interested. No one would actually believe it's true because it wasn't saying, it wasn't saying what the other prophets were saying. No one would encourage him. This man is just, well, nuts. Jeremiah's only friend and source of encouragement really was God. He had a scribe who wrote down all the words, who stuck to him, but he got weary as well. But God, even in the face of opposition, God was with him. Jeremiah knew that. No one believed him, but God was with him. Jeremiah was not swayed by popular opinion. He didn't go along with the crowd, but he believed in God and in the word of God. In chapter 1, there are a couple of illustrations that are given that uh, Jeremiah needs to express to the people, or at least he needs to understand, to know why it seems that things aren't happening as soon as he expected them. The first is of the almond tree. It lies dormant in winter. It's apparently lifeless, but in the spring it's the first to blossom and to come alive once again. The farmers would watch out for the blossom coming on this tree and know that it's safe now to plant their crops. But for a longest time it seems like nothing's happening until those little buds start to come along. God's judgment is just the same. It's pronounced and may not happen immediately. People think nothing's going to happen. Look at what we've done and God hasn't done anything about it yet. But at the right time, when God is ready, then the action, the punishment will be carried out. The second illustration is that of a boiling pot. We might say today, a watched kettle never boils. And isn't that true? I remember many times, you know, putting the potatoes in the pan of water and it doesn't seem like anything's happening. I turn me back to do something else and suddenly, I hear the water overflowing and it puts the gas out. Nothing seems to be happening, 
then all of a sudden the pot boils and spills over. This is the same again with God and his punishment. He'll pronounce it as a warning to people. He'll give them time to change. And then suddenly, not without warning because he has warned them, but suddenly that punishment will come. Here are some reasons why when we're waiting for God to do something, he will wait. God might actually have a higher purpose for us through our suffering. Now it might be for us that we learn something from suffering. After all, if you ever had this thought that things are going well, there's maybe something wrong in your life, but you kind of hide yourself away from it, and then you start to suffer. And we start to examine ourselves because of it. What have I done wrong? Now it's not necessarily true that you're suffering because you've done something wrong, but doesn't it give us a little nudge in the right direction when we do? When we start to consider, how has this come about? Is it because I have, and you fill the blank in yourself? So that's something that we do. You might have a higher purpose. You might be calling us back to him through our suffering because we've neglected something. Maybe the outcome of our suffering and our remaining faithful is for someone else's benefit. We're not suffering for something that will teach us a lesson, but we're suffering because someone will see us remain faithful to God through it. And this might cause them to reflect more seriously on our faith that we proclaim to have in God. After all, consider Job and all the people who have learnt from him over the ages since he went through the suffering that he did. So maybe God has a higher purpose for us through our suffering. God's apparent delay could be regarded in, uh, as him being patient with us and allowing us time to repent. This is actually pointed out in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. God is not slow in fulfilling his promises. He is giving us time. A harvest takes time to grow and slowly ripen. Then when it's ready, suddenly you have to gather it in quickly before it gets ruined. The impending judgment of God is the same. There seems to be a delay, then suddenly it's here. How long were people warned about the flood? And then suddenly it came. How many searches were there for righteous people in the cities of the plain, Sodom and Gomorrah? And then suddenly destruction came. In Jeremiah's day, he preached and preached and it seemed like nothing was going to happen. The Jews became complacent in their sinful ways and suddenly it was too late. They were warned. It even seemed to Jeremiah that nothing's happening. So what was the point? Why carry on preaching? Jeremiah was told by God, preach the message given accurately and in a place where it will be heard. And listen, take notice of it yourself as well. Because if you go along with the crowd, you will also suffer the punishment that they will. He couldn't leave out the harsh bits to spare himself the unpleasant experiences that actually came upon him. Those of us who speak for God can't through fear of what people will think of us or might do to us or say about us. We can't neglect to proclaim all that God has said. Yes, God is love. Yes, he will forgive sins. But there is a hell and there is punishment and these things need to be spoken of as well. And as much as people will be offended 
buyers telling that their particular lifestyle is an offence to God. We still have to let them know. So why was Jeremiah's day like today? Here's some reasons that I think his experiences are like we face today. After all, what have we got to show for all our preaching? How can we prove to people that they need to follow Jesus while for them life is going so well? Why do you need to change? Nothing apparently is wrong. Don't, uh, don't fix something that isn't broken, surely. We must have a strong faith that what we're doing is within God's will, that it is right and it is according to his word. To do this we need to study the Bible, find out what it says, know why we believe what we believe, so we make, when we make a defence of it we'll be more convinced even ourselves about it. We've also got something that Jeremiah didn't have. We've got each other. Who did he have apart from God? Well aren't we fortunate to have each other? So there's a need for us to encourage each other in our faith as well. Let's say things to cheer each other up. When people ask us how we are, be honest. Say how we're feeling. So that if we need the encouragement of prayer with someone, that can happen rather than we just brush aside and we don't want to bother anyone with it. Let's get the help that we need to remain faithful to God. We must rely on each other. If the time comes when we do see each other not living by the principles that God has set down in the Bible, we need to have the courage to confront one another. Perhaps one of the greatest causes of atheism is hypocrisy amongst those people who claim to believe in God. Now I'm not saying when we fall to sin we're being hypocritical. We, we for the most part are trying to do the best we can and there are times when sin overtakes us. I'm not talking about those things but reflecting on Jeremiah's time I'm talking about those who go to church but it's just in case. It's not because of a real heartfelt belief in the truth of God. Prominent religious people will say what's popular even in our day just as the false prophets did in Jeremiah's day. Watering down a belief in God. Why? become more popular, to get more people to attend their meetings. For what? It's hard to stand up and say you believe Jesus rose from the dead. It can cause people to turn away from you. You could lose friendships. It's easy to say, well come to our meetings, we won't go as far as that. We'll make it more palatable to you. Jesus was an ordinary man, wasn't he? Wasn't really divine. Did some remarkable things, but you know, it wasn't God. These are the kind of ridiculous things we hear today. But this is not the truth. We need to preach the truth. As believers, and the clues in that word, as believers, we need to speak out against those things that are wrong, that are false. And the warning is, we need to get it right as well. We need to study to show ourselves approved. So that when we speak, it's not our opinion, it's the words of God. The people of Jeremiah's time went to the temple and outwardly they worshipped God. How many people go along to church meetings today and observe the acts of worship as we call them from the New Testament and yet that's all we do. 
It's all well and good that people go along and hear the gospel preached, but how does it affect our lives? These things are only worth doing if it comes from a life lived by God's principles. We can't be like the people of Jeremiah's time who didn't let religion affect their life. Our belief and our worship must have an effect on the way we live, the way we speak, and even the way we think. The way we treat others will demonstrate if we truly do love God. We shouldn't pretend our religion has got to be pure. These are the things that Jeremiah has made me think about. Even when times are bad, we still have each other, which like I say is more than Jeremiah had. So let's share with one another as much as we can. Let's not water down what the Bible says. Only the truth can save us from sin and lead us to heaven. Let me read that passage from Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 13 to 19 as God sets out what he wants Jeremiah to do and why. The word of the Lord came to me a second time saying, What do you see? And I said, I see a boiling pot facing away from the north. Then the Lord said to me, Out of the north disaster shall be let loose upon all the inhabitants of the land. For behold, I am calling all the tribes of the kingdoms of the north, declares the Lord, and they shall come, and every one shall set his throne at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem, against all its walls and all around and against all the cities of Judah. And I will declare my judgments against them. For all their evil in forsaking me, they have made offerings to other gods and worshipped the works of their own hands. But you, dress yourself for work, arise, and say to them everything that I command you. Do not be dismayed by them, lest I dismay you before them. And I, behold, I make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar, and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. There's no need for hypocrisy. There's no need to be mere church members. There's no need to just go to church. There is a need to stand firm and speak the truth of God's word and live according to the truth of God's word. To know why we believe what we believe and to not hold back from speaking the truth. May it never be said of us, I can't hear what you're saying because your actions are so loud. May our actions confirm what we say for the saving of other people's souls and to ensure that we continue to be right with God. Thank you, Jeremiah, for your wonderful lessons to us. And thank you for joining me for something to think about today.